It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Campana's First Nighter Program. From the Little Theater of Times Square. Starring Olin Soule and Barbara Luddy with an all-star cast presented by Campana, the quality name in cosmetics. Theater Time, Broadway. And on this New Year's night, a new play makes its bow to the public from the stage of the Little Theater of Times Square. It's an exciting event because hosts of celebrities always attend these opening nights on the Great White Way. And to be sure that you miss none of the fun, here's your host for the evening, the genial first-nighter. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm delighted that you can join our party. The theater is just a few blocks away, and here's my cab. Shall we start? All right, driver, to the little theater, please. Up Broadway, across 42nd Street. Here was the scene last night of one of the greatest New Year's Eve celebrations in history. The crowds were thick in Times Square, and tonight it's by no means deserted. Just ahead now is the Little Theater. must have a magic touch. She's surrounded by photographers. I understand we'll all have a magic touch next week. Have your tickets ready, please. Have your tickets ready, please. Good evening, Mr. First Nighter. The usher will show you to your seats. Thank you. We'll go right in. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're in our seats, and I must say as I look over the audience that every woman here tonight must have the magic touch. I never saw so much beauty. Tonight's play is a comedy romance called The One in the Middle, written by Virginia Safford Lynn and co-starring Olin Soule and Barbara Luddy. That sounds like just what the doctor should order for New Year's night, a chance to relax and laugh. Mr. Soule, I see by the program, is to play the part of Peter Randolph, a recently returned vet. Miss Luddy is cast as Franny, a young lady tentatively engaged in the pursuit of higher education. And what an all-star supporting cast, including B. Benadaret as Tabby Randolph, Peter's sister, Sandra Gould as Maudie, Jane Webb as Jean, and other famous names. But now, before first curtain, let's listen to Frank Worth and his First Nighter Orchestra. Curtain, first curtain, have you heard about Magic Touch? There's the signal for first curtain, the house lights are out, and here's the play. Come in. I haven't got an apple, but may I come in anyway, teacher? For mercy's sakes, <laughs> Peter. Oh, says, how are you? Oh, <clears throat> darling, Peter. I didn't expect you until next week. Well, my discharge came through sooner than I expected. Oh, let me see how you look. Hmm? Oh, you still look that way. Oh, stop. <laughs> Listen, Tabby, could you put me up here at the school for a while? Well, uh, I could put you in the assistant principal's room down the hall. Mm-hmm. Come on, bring your suitcase. He's left, and we haven't got a new one yet. Ah, good old sis. Well, <laughs> see, it's really a nice room. Mm-hmm. Lap of luxury, no less. Say so. Where's Scott? 
sound general quarters. What's that? The young ladies returning from their daily constitutional. Golly, where can we go? I'll protect you. <laughs> young ladies, less noise, if you please. Yes, Miss Randolph. Oh, uh, girls, one moment. I believe this would be an opportune time for you to meet my brother, Peter Randolph. Oh. Young ladies, where are your manners? How do you do, Mr. Randolph? Well, uh, how do you do, uh, young ladies? Oh, Mr. Randolph, it'll be wonderful having you here with us. Oh, it really will. It's our first real break since they put in electrical refrigeration and the ice bad stopped coming. Well, thank you, I think. Mr. Randolph, astronomy is my most favorite subject. Well, thank you for telling me. Oh, thank you for listening. <laughs> Young ladies, kindly proceed to your rooms, if you please. Yes, yes, Mr. Goodbye, Mr. Goodbye, goodbye. goodbye. For the love of heaven, Tabby, get inside here quick. They might get loose again. <laughs> Peter, huh? do you know what they think? No, and don't tell me. The assistant principal always teaches astronomy. And all I can say is, heaven help him, whoever he's going to be. Peter, dear, I've got news. He's going to be you. Well, that's very nice. Hey, wait a minute. Yes, Peter. No, Tabby. Peter... I didn't write you about this, but the school's really on the rocks. Well, how could it be with all those girls? Well, most of the 50 aren't coming back next semester. They're very bored. Peter, you'll have to face it. You are the Navy's gift to the Randolph Seminary for young ladies. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. Tabby, you're a very nice sister, and I'm extremely fond of you. But you're not that nice, and I'm not that fond. Now, this is your classroom, Peter. But, Tabby, I don't know anything about astronomy. Neither do they, so you'll start even. Uh, you're asking one poor lone guy to face 50 girls. Oh, only two of the girls take astronomy. Only two? And why do you have the subject? Well, because I think everyone should know astronomy. It's, it's very broadening. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Oh, jumping, Jupiter, man the lifeboats. Oh, for mercy's sakes, the entire school now takes astronomy. Good morning, teacher. Good morning, teacher. Uh, uh, good morning, students. Well, I'll uh, leave you to your work. And you've certainly got it. Hey, hey, Tabby, wait, listen. Uh, <clears throat> uh, young ladies. Thank you. Uh, as you know, we are gathered together here to find out all about the uh, romance of the stars. Mr. Randolph, my favorite star is Ronald Coleman. Oh, really? Mine's Claudette Colbert. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, class will come to order, please. Are there any questions? Yes, Miss... Uh... Uh, Francis Emerson, but everyone calls me Franny, and I do hope that you will, too, Mr. Randolph. Thank you very much. You have a question, Franny? No, thank you, but I'm sure I will have later. Uh... <clears throat> well, now, do we have any textbooks or star maps around here? My name's Jean Taylor, and the books are on your desk. My name's Marty Dexter, and there's a star map in back of you. Well, what do you know? My, just look at all these stars. Now, who can tell me the names of all these stars? <clears throat> well, on to the next exercise. <laughs> now, uh, here's an attractive-looking uh, constellation or something. Uh, Mr. Randolph, could that possibly be the Big Dipper? Why, Franny, that's very clever of you, because it is the Big Dipper, I think. And in military circles, they call it Ursa Major. <laughs> oh, come now, it wasn't that far. Now, if you'll all please look at the star map. Over here, we have, uh, 
at the map, girls, please. Mr. Randolph, don't you think the moon's at its best in a canoe on a summer night? <laughs> well, uh, personally, I never knew they could get the moon into a canoe. <laughs> now we'll move on to the subject of eclipses. Now, this is caused by the sun getting in the way of the, uh, uh, rather, the uh, moon gets between the, uh, well, suppose we put it this way. When the moon and the sun and the earth, and so you have the planets, if anyone wants them. And now, <clears throat> let us take a quick peek at meteors. When the, uh, who's doing the whispering back there? Franny, is that a note you have in your hand? Well, I, 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 what did you say, Mr. Randolph? I can't have that sort of thing going on in my classroom, you know. Francis Emerson, bring that note to teacher at once. Yes, Mr. <clears throat> Randolph. Here. Yes, thank you. Now, much as I dislike doing this, I shall have to make an example of you, Franny. The note reads as follows. Dear Morty, hasn't he the darlingest wave in his hair? <laughs> <laughs> you may return to your seat, Miss Emerson. Yes, Mr. Randolph. Now, here we have a very interesting picture of the sun... Now, let's see what the caption says beneath it. Well, it says the sun. <laughs> what are those bells that keep ringing? They're the bells for all our other classes, Mr. Randolph. Oh, well, class dismissed. Hey, girls. Hey, listen, girls. Hey! Young ladies, proceed at once to your other classes. Oh, yes, Miss Randolph. Goodbye, Mr. Randolph. Come on, girls. Apparently, your astronomy class was a howling success. All three hours of it. <clears throat> they... Well, Peter. Peter, are you all right? No, no, but it's nothing that a few weeks in a psychopathic ward won't cure. The curtain comes down on the first act of tonight's play in the Little Theater off Times Square. Smoking in the outer lobby or downstairs only, please. Listen next week for news about Magic Touch. All right, now I see someone stealthily approaching. And as I live, it's Larry Keating. Happy New Year, ladies and gentlemen. And what better time than New Year's night for you ladies to make some beauty resolutions? For example, be it resolved... That tomorrow, the first shopping day of the new year, I shall get what so many women say is the finest hand lotion they've ever used. Famous Italian bomb. Yes, your old friend Italian bomb is back again after its absence during the war. So, be it resolved... That in this winter of 1948, I shall protect my skin against wintertime dryness and chapping by using rich, concentrated Italian balm, the famous wintertime lotion that originated years ago in cold Canada. It's so different from thin, watery lotions. It gives such extra good protection. And ladies, why not protect your pocketbook while you protect the beauty of your hands? For instance, be it resolved... That I shall save money by buying Italian Balm, the famous hand lotion that sells today at exactly its pre-war price. Yes, ladies, good, dependable Italian Balm offers you the same pre-war quality, same pre-war quantity, same pre-war price. Start using this famous cold-weather lotion tomorrow and see how truly soft and smooth your hands can be all winter long. <laughs> Yes, 
guess you'll learn about Magic Touch next week. The first nighters are hurrying down the aisles to their seats, the lights are dimmed, and here's the second act of The One in the Middle. Oh, Mr. Randolph, could I speak to you a minute? Why, yes, Miss uh, uh, Franny. Well, I, I just wanted to say I'm awfully embarrassed about that note I wrote in class today. You're embarrassed? Franny, could we please just forget it ever happened? Oh, I think it's awfully nice of you to take that attitude, Mr. Randolph. Yes, as a matter of fact, it is very nice of me. I should make you stand in a corner for five minutes. And, come to think of it, you look rather cute standing in a corner. Why, Mr. Randolph, what do you mean? I have no idea. Let's just forget about that, too, shall we? Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to see my sister about something very important, I'm sure. Oh, I didn't mean to disturb you, Mr. Randolph. I haven't disturbed you, have I, Mr. Randolph? Franny, I'm very sorry, but you haven't disturbed me in the least. Oh. <laughs> well, goodbye, Mr. Randolph. Goodbye, Franny. Well, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, then, Franny. Oh, excuse me, girls. Could I get through here, please? Pardon me, will you let me pass? Excuse me, could I open the door? Tabby, what in thunder is that lineup outside your door? Oh, isn't it splendid? All 50 girls are signing up for next semester. Mm. You may now start shopping around for a new assistant principal. Oh, but Peter, you can't go till next semester. The girls might change their minds. Oh. Well, just how soon does the next semester start? Why, in no time at all. Just eight weeks from the middle of next month. Oh, Tabby. Oh, no. We must be losing our grip. We've worked on him now for three weeks. I think he likes the type of girl who could be a real pal to him. Oh, Gene, I think he prefers a cuddly type. I really do. Pete, uh, Mr. Randolph, prefers the romantic, poetic type. And remember this, girls, as soon as he definitely shows which one he's really interested in, the rest have to lay off and give me a clear field. <laughs> Hi there, Mr. Randolph. Oh, hello, Jean. Isn't it a swell day? I'll bet you're dying for a game of tennis. Of course, with the right partner. I mean, the kind of girl who's nuts about outdoor life and who can play golf and ride and hike, even with a cold. Gene, would you care to wrestle? Why, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Randolph, where are you going? Pardon me while I dash out and rip off a couple of hundred-yard sprints. Oh, Mr. Randolph. Oh, Mr. Randolph. No, Marty. No, now you know the rules. No staying after class. But I didn't understand one single thing you told us about astronomy today. Really, I didn't. Well, that's okay. I didn't either. Well, I don't think you realize what a helpless little thing I am. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> Just look how little and helpless I am. Isn't it awful? It's a shame. And now, if you'll excuse me, I have an engagement with a moon about a dog star. Yes, just a second. Why, good evening, Franny. Good evening, Mr. Randolph. Oh, could you please come out on the balcony quick? Why, what's happened to it? Come on, hurry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, open the door quick. Yeah, yeah. 
Come on, quick. Uh-huh. Look, j- just just look, Mr. Randall. Yeah, where, where, where? Uh, up there in the sky, the Big Dipper. What's it doing? It's the very same one you've been telling us about all these weeks. Well, just think of that. <laughs> well, thank you very much for the treat. Now, shall we go back inside, Franny? Isn't it a beautiful night? You know, some people think that you can see stars reflected in other people's eyes. Can you see stars reflected in my eyes, Mr. Randolph? Well, there seems to be something there, all right. Well, let me see if they're reflected in your eyes, too. No, no, mine never reflect. But... Never. Oh, Mr. Randolph, you've made me so aware of the vastness of eternity. Somehow there's such an awful lot of eternity. It's all so sweet and brief and fleeting. You are so right. Here today, gone tomorrow, like... Isn't it true? The bird of time has but a little way to flutter. Yeah. And this bird is on the wing. But, Mr. Randolph... Oh, dear. Well, thank heaven, that's my last class for today. Got anything to eat, Fred? Oh, cheese and crackers. Give me. Say, Jean, do you know that the cook is making a coconut cake because she's found out he loves coconut cake even though it always makes him sick? Oh, then we could nurse him. Somehow... Somehow we three don't seem to be getting anywhere. Well, maybe he's fallen for one of us and is hiding it bravely. Certainly. Why, I can sense it every time he looks at me. Gee, when he looks at me, I don't sense anything. <laughs> and, and, and the tone of his voice when he speaks to me. The touch of his hand. Wait a minute. When did he ever touch your hand, Freddy? Wednesday morning at 10.33. I was erasing the blackboard and asked him to help me lift the eraser. <laughs> You trying to tell us that he's fallen for you? All right, I'll prove it. This time of afternoon, he always goes for a stroll. When he opens the front door, the three of us will be standing there. And remember, girls, you're on your own. Well, hello, hello, hello. Hi, Mr. Randolph. Hello there, Mr. Randolph. Hello, Peter. Uh... Going somewhere, girls? Yes, I'm going up that way. And I'm going down this way. I'm going over that way. Which way are you going, Mr. Randolph? Uh, well, I, uh... Sorry to keep you waiting, Peter. Oh, good afternoon, girls. Oh, good, good afternoon, Miss Randolph. Randolph. My uh, brother and I are on our way to the post office. Won't you join us? Uh, thank you very much, but... 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 Come on, girls. Goodbye, girls. Here, Tabby, here. Let me take the package. Thanks. Peter, hmm? somehow things don't seem to be working out quite as I'd intended. Uh, my idea was to put the school back on its feet, not demoralize it. Uh, if you really want to leave before next semester... Oh, it'll... there's no special rush. Oh. Now, don't tell me you're getting interested in one of these girls. Okay, then I won't tell you. Peter, if I hadn't come along just then... Which way would you have gone? Why, without a moment's hesitation, I'd have gone looking for you. Marty, give me some cookies. You know, we've still got to find out which one of us it is. If we could only all be in some kind of danger, then he'd rescue one of us. Then we'd know, or at least the rest of you would... Maybe we could sort of get in a rowboat and drown. Uh, just kind of, I mean. 
How about a runaway horse? With all 50 of us on its back? <laughs> oh, wait, listen. He's coming down the hall. I know his step. Quick, open the door a crack. Open wider, Jean. I can't see. Oh. Doesn't he look darling? Oh, he's wearing that sweet blue bo- polka dot tie again. <laughs> Girls, I've, I've, just had, I've just had a perfectly wonderful idea. Oh, wait a second till I have one more look. Oh, my. Okay. Close the door and come here. Now, listen. Here's my idea. And the curtain comes down on the second act of tonight's play in the little theater off Times Square. Smoking downstairs or in the outer lobby only, please. Come again next week, ladies, and hear all about the magic touch. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let me bring you in person, Larry Keating. Ladies... Why are your hands so dry tonight, so rough and scratchy? Because in winter, the dry indoors air and cold, dry outdoors air and wintry winds all combine to rob my skin of its natural moisture every minute of the day. Right. And what is the best thing, do you think, for that? Well, thousands like myself say, Italian balm. This famous lotion puts back moisture into my skin, helps it keep soft and smooth, does it so quickly, too. The minute Italian balm touches my skin, it feels smooth, more velvety. The action is almost immediate. Have you ever found a lotion that equaled Italian balm in caring for the skin in wintertime? The answer that thousands of women would give to that question is, no, I haven't. Because Italian balm will keep hands free of dryness and chapping, no matter what happens in the way of housework or weather. Yes, Italian balm is a sturdy protector against dryness and chapping. It was born and reared in Canada, North America's coldest climate. Its success there brought it to the United States. And since the day it crossed the border, so many women have said... The Italian balm never fails me. It has a quality and richness that my skin seems to need when winter comes. Nighters are all in their seats, ready for the last act. And there goes the curtain. Peter, come here into my office. I want to show you something. Okay, and then I'm going to bed. What do you want to show me? These exam papers from various classes. Peter, did you know an hypotenuse equals the distance between Venus and Mars? <laughs> or um, that the Celts were driven into Wales and Cornwall by a shooting star? Or uh, that the recipe for muffins is two cups of flour to one half cup of Milky Way. (laughs) When are you leaving, Peter? Yes, I see what you mean. Well, after all, they are just kids. Oh, yes. Children of 17, 18, and 19. Uh, Mere babes. Hmm. Isn't it odd how fond you've become of teaching? Uh, Peter, just between us girls, which one is it? Which one? Why, the one in the middle. All right, then, don't tell me. But let me warn you, if you ever single out one girl, it'll probably lead to mass suicide. Shh, now, 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 be quiet, girls. And and stand back so I can open the furnace door. Give me the rags and stuff, Jim. Wait a second, Fred. Put just a little more oil on them. Oh, wouldn't it be awful if the register in his room wasn't open? Don't worry. I went in and opened it wide while he was in Miss Randolph's office. 
You better give me the matches, Jean. Here. This is going to make lots and lots of lovely smoke. <coughs> I'll say it does. Close the furnace door, Fred. Now, let's get back upstairs. Maudie, you and Jean go to your rooms and stay there. Then when Peter comes to rescue me, keep out of his way. Well, I think he'll come to rescue me. I really do. Let the poor girl dream. I'll be the one who'll tell you girls what it was like. Jean, come out here at once. But, Miss Randall... Line up. Franny, come out into the hall or must I drag you? Oh, but, Miss Randall... All right now, girls, march. One, two, one, two. Keep your head, girls. Stay in line. One, two, one, two. Is everyone accounted for? Is everyone out of the building? Yes, Miss Randolph, we're all out here. Doggone it. The fire department will have everything under control in just a moment. Now, everyone stay right here on the lawn. Oh, how could she be so mean? She personally rescued every single girl. What a dirty trick. Yes. She spoiled everything. She really did. Girls, where is he? Uh, Miss Randolph, where's your brother? Peter? Mm. Well, isn't Peter here? Peter, are you here? Peter! He's been overcome by smoke. He's trapped in his room. Get out of my way, girls. I'm going to save him. Freddy, come back. I'll save him. Girls, girls, wait for me. I'll save him. Really, I will. Girls, girls, come back here. There he is, still in bed, overcome with smoke. Quick, Gene, you take his feet. You take his feet. I'll take his head. Doesn't he look darling in pink and blue stripes? Uh, Marty, get his other shoulder. Now, all together, lift up. Isn't he wonderful and heavy? Hey, 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 what's going on? Oh, girls, go away. Don't be frightened, Peter. We're saving you. For what? You've been overcome by smoke. What smoke? Smoke from the... Oh, there isn't any smoke in here. Oh, Peter, how could you? You close your register. Oh. 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 Well, don't just stand there. Somebody pick me up. (laughs) Young ladies, I've called you all here to the assembly room this morning in reference to the most regrettable occurrence of last night. The identity of the three girls involved is known to me. Naturally, they should be expelled. However, I'm willing to be lenient on one condition. The ringleader of these three must confess. Oh, now, Tabby, listen. Sit down, Peter. Uh, well, young ladies, I'm waiting. I did it, Miss Randolph. Really, I did. Oh, no, Miss Randolph. I am the guilty one. Oh, no, wait. I'm the one, Miss Randolph. It was my idea. Yes, Franny, I know it was. Come up here, please. You are to make a public apology to the entire school, my brother and me. Yes, Miss Randall. I... I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you, Franny. You may now return to your seat. Yes, Miss Randall. Now, I have an announcement. My brother Peter is leaving us this morning, and I might add that he's doing so at my personal invitation. There will be no demonstration, if you please. After all, I can't have the school burning down every night. Now, Peter, you may make a brief valedictory address, if you like. Thank you, Tabby. Uh, 
Young ladies, what I have to say can be summed up in one word. Goodbye. <laughs> I wish I could say it to each of you individually, but time does not allow. So will one of you girls act as the school's representative? How about you there? Me? No, no, the one in the middle. Will you come up here a moment, please? That's the girl. Yes, Mr. Randall. Stand right there in front of me, please. Raise your head. Now say prunes. Prunes. Peter! Peter! Oh, my. Oh, oh, how could you? Franny, here, wait. Franny, wait a second. Peter, you come straight back here. Peter! Franny, Franny, where are you? Franny? No. Ah, the balcony. Hello, Juliet. You go away. Wasn't I humiliated enough without your kissing me? Well, I just thought everyone should know which one it is, and has been all the time. You really mean... Oh, no, you're just saying that. Ah. <laughs> Darling, come here. Oh, no, now wait. Pl oh, please. Oh, Peter. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. Strawberry. That's that, I guess. Oh, wasn't it beautiful the way he said, um, strawberry? <laughs> Come on, Marty. That's all there is. Here, I'll give you half his blue polka dot tie. The curtain is down, ladies and gentlemen, on the final act of a new play. As there's the end of the play, Mr. Saleh and Miss Marty are getting round after round of applause. Next week, the Little Theater off Times Square will present another new play entitled Help Wanted Female. It's packed with suspense and intrigue. Be sure to join us next week at this same time. And ladies, the good news is coming. When you tune in next week, you'll hear about Magic Touch. And from that time on, you can have a Magic Touch at your fingertips. And now we move out of the theater and into the street. Is your cab, Mr. First Nighter? Thank you, and Happy New Year. Campana's first night of program, starring Barbara Luddy and Olin Soule, is a copyrighted radio feature. Tonight's play was pure fiction and did not refer to real people or actual events. Mmm, that is entrancing. You mean my perfume? Yes, indeed. That's very special, very new, very lovely. It's called Cotton Blossom, an exquisite fragrance by Old South Toiletries. Cotton Blossom. I'll remember that. You can get it at better stores. Just ask for Cotton Blossom by Old South. The First Nighter program came to you over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Hannah's First Nighter Program. From the Little Theater off Times Square. Starring Barbara Luddy and Olin Soule, with an all-star cast sent to you by Campana, the quality name in cosmetics. It's theater time on the Great White Way, and you are cordially invited to attend the premiere of a new play on Broadway. Here's the night that brings patrons of the arts and the top girl of society to the theater. 
a veritable who's who parade. And now, here is your host for the evening, the genial first-nighter. Good evening, everybody. This promises to be one of the most exciting nights of the theater season, so let's lose no time in getting to the opening. Here's my cab. Won't you step in? All right, driver, we're off. Up Broadway across 42nd Street, and here is the famous Crossroads of America. Up ahead there, where the lights are brightest, is the little theater off Times Square. Well, here we are. Smoking codfish, I never saw so many beautiful women. Smoothie, check out the magic touch. Have your tickets ready, please. Have your tickets ready, please. Good evening, Mr. First Nighter. The usher will show you to your seats. Thank you. We'll go right in. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're all comfortably seated, and we just have time to look at the theater program. Well, here's a notice right on the front cover of the program. It says, attention, listen after Act One tonight for news about Magic Touch. You'll hear all about it at the end of Act One. And now let's see about tonight's play. It's another original called Help Wanted Female. The author is Floyd Miller, and the co-stars that talented pair, Barbara Luddy and Olin Soleil. Miss Luddy will play the part of Pam, a young lady in need of a job. Mr. Soleil is cast as Andy, a publicity expert. And I see many top names in the supporting cast. William Conrad, Polly Bear, and others of equal fame. But now, with First Curtain coming up soon, let's listen to Frank Worth and the famous First Lighter Orchestra. There's the signal for first curtain, the house lights are out, and here's the play. The whole thing started last summer when I was unemployed. Each morning I would buy the newspaper, mark the likely jobs in the want ad section, then run my legs off from one side of Manhattan to the other, trying to beat a hundred other girls to the personnel managers. I wasn't doing so well until the morning I saw the following ad. It was under Help Wanted Female, and it read... Administrative assistant to wealthy philanthropist. Must have executive ability. Be able to organize office, handle people. Salary in upper brackets for right person. Apply 3 p.m., room 1048, Drakeson Hotel. Well, I tucked the paper under my arm and started for the Drakeson. But if I'd known the heartache and terror that lay behind that innocent-appearing ad, I would have run in the opposite direction as fast as my legs could carry me. Sweet 1048 was jammed with smart and capable-looking girls, and my courage almost failed me. But I filled out the application blank and waited my turn to be ushered into the presence of the wealthy philanthropist. Finally... Well, hello, my dear. How do you do? Now, let's see. You are Pamela Moore? Yes, sir. Uh, my name's Mr. Julius. Sit down, my dear. Sit down. Thank you. Now I see by your application here that you've been active in organizational and publicity work. I was publicity director for the New York area during the war for one of the war agencies, mm -hmm. and later European field director for relief of displaced persons. Ah, excellent, excellent. Now this position that I have available will require a high degree of, uh, shall we say, public relations know-how. Not in the sense of producing and placing copy, but in the sense of knowing the pitfalls of bad publicity. A preventive job. Oh, you mean that you would prefer to have no publicity at all rather than bad publicity? Yes, that's it, my dear. You understand exactly. Uh, there will be, of course, other sides to the job, the building of a staff, the handing of uh, human as well as policy problems. In short, you would be my good right arm. 
for I intend to remain completely anonymous in this new enterprise. I, um, I like your background and your appearance. Yes, I think you're the one. You're available at once? Oh, yes, sir. Your salary will be $125 a week to start. Oh, well, that's very generous, I'm sure. Where do I come for work? Well, for the time being, you stay home. Be available in your apartment every day from 9 to 5. Now, go home and stay there until I telephone. Hello? Hello, Pamela, my dear. This is Mr. Julius. Oh, I was afraid I was never going to hear from you. <laughs> well, I'm quite ready to proceed with our plans now. I want you to rent a suite of offices in a good neighborhood, preferably on 5th or Madison or Park Avenues. Uh, furnish them in your own good taste. And then we shall discuss the hiring of a general manager for our enterprise. But, Mr. Julius, how can I rent offices when I know so little about our organization? Why, I don't even know the name. <laughs> Did I forget to tell you the name? I'm sorry. Humanity United Against Hunger. That's the story of my experience, Miss Moore. I've never quite headed up an organization like this one. Uh, what did you say the name was? Humanity United Against Hunger. Yes. Well, I've never been in the social service field, but um, I do know advertising, publicity, and I think I could handle the job. I think you could, too. This is a job of raising funds for the relief of European children, and I think your advertising and promotion experience is what we need. You're hired, Mr. Andrew Gilbert. You are now president of Humanity United Against Hunger. President? Is that what you said? <laughs> we won't have a very large staff, so we all might as well have big titles. Okay, president it is, but, uh, by the way, what's your title? I'm your secretary. My secretary? I'm supposed to be head man, but you're my secretary. Actually, you're head man, and I'm your... Uh, I don't get it. Well, it's really very simple... There is a wealthy philanthropist behind all this, and he wants to remain completely anonymous. I'm the only one who will know his identity, and I'll transmit his orders to you. I'm sort of liaison, understand? I understand that I take orders from my secretary. I don't care much for that. The salary is good, Andy. You don't mind if I call you Andy? I don't usually let my secretary call me by my first name. But this seems to be an unusual situation, doesn't it, Miss Moore? My dear, I want to congratulate you. An excellent personnel job. I think Mr. Gilbert is going to be extremely valuable, Mr. Julius. I'm sure of it. You uh, told him nothing of me, of course? Of course not. Excellent. You see, I want no credit or public recognition for this humanitarian work we're about to do. The fact that... We shall feed hungry mouths is all the satisfaction I require. Now then, here is the cash for operating expenses until public contributions begin to arrive. And here is my personal check for $200. I want to make the first contribution to our great humanitarian fund. publicity campaign? Well, you must be crazy. How do you expect to make the public conscious of our organization if we don't feed items to the columnists and radio commentators? 
How do you expect to get contributions from the people if we don't... I told you, Andy, we'll do it by direct mail. Direct mail is okay, but it's not enough. The country's in the middle of a food conservation campaign. The people are eager to send relief to the starving in Europe. We've got to let them know it can be done through us. We have a big public relations job to do, and we can't pinch pennies if we want to... It's not a question of funds. We have plenty of money. Well, then what is it? What in heaven's name is holding things up? He wants it done quietly, without fanfare. He, he, who is this mysterious person who runs our lives? And what does he know about it anyway? He pays our salaries, Andy. Well, okay. Direct mail it is. We'll get results, you'll see. We'll use blow-up pictures of starving children and hollow-eyed mothers, the old heart appeal. We might even show a plump American baby in the foreground, a montage of hunger and misery. Andy, you're not even listening. Hmm? No, no, I guess I wasn't, Pamela. I was trying to figure you. Oh? And what did you decide? Not much yet. You're pretty, and capable, and cold. What else, I don't know. Cold? Yeah. You handle starving kids as if they were so many numbers in a market research report. And you handle me the same way. Oh, don't look so shocked. I know sentiment and business don't mix. But I always figured that sincerity was pretty important. And that's where I can't score you. You're one of those men who likes to pigeonhole everybody, is that it? Well, perhaps I don't fit in any of your pigeonholes. Oh, you'll fit one of them, all right. It's just a question of finding the right one in time. Unless, of course, you get fired. That boss lady might even help me to find it. And the curtain comes down on the first act of the last play in the little theater off Times Square. Smoking in the outer lobby of downstairs only, please. Smoking in the outer lobby. And now between the acts, here is Larry Keating with a friend of his. And that important news you've been waiting for. Please, Mr. Keating, won't you tell us something tonight about Magic Touch? What is it? Well, it's really too good to keep much longer. Magic Touch is Campana's new and completely different cream makeup. What's so different about it? It's a complexion cream makeup applied to the skin with the fingertips, containing a special new magic ingredient. Magic Touch blends with your skin better than any cream makeup yet invented. It literally performs miracles for your complexion, giving a transforming effect that will thrill you. And it's so easy to use. No water is necessary, no puff. Just your fingertips. It can be applied anytime, anywhere. What does it look like? Magic Touch comes in a thin wafer-like compact. There are six heavenly complexion-flattering shades, ranging from light to the deeper golden colors. You simply stroke your fingers over the top of the creamy surface and apply it to your face, then blend. That's all there is to it. Magic Touch immediately becomes part of you and lasts for hours and hours. It softens your skin and beautifies it at the same time. It's all you need to be beautiful. Do I use powder, too? Not unless you want to. Magic Touch is lovely either way. If you like a dull, matte-like finish, simply dust your face with powder after you have used it. If you prefer the new luminous effect, and I don't mean shiny, apply Magic Touch as your only complexion need. Magic Touch is your opportunity to see how really pretty you can be, and you'll never know until you try it. Magic Touch comes in two sizes, the lovely white and gold plastic compact for $1 and the special introductory compact for only 39 cents. Believe me, you'll never know how pretty you can be until you try Magic Touch.
Snyders are hurrying down the aisles to their seats. The lights are dimmed, and here's the second act of Help Wanted Female. Humanity United Against Hunger was launched quietly, without fanfare, just as Mr. Julius wanted. Thousands of four-color leaflets were printed and sent to a general mailing, and the results were almost instantaneous. Money orders, checks, and cash began to pour into the office. Finally, I couldn't resist it any longer, and I, I took a bundle of money orders and greenbacks into Andrew Gilbert's office and slapped them on his desk. Well, Andy, take a look at the last mail delivery. Quite a pile of cabbage. One mail? One mail. $1,258.26. And weren't you the gentleman who said that direct mail leaflets wouldn't pull? Well, that was before I wrote the leaflets. <laughs> now, if you will endorse the money orders... You'll take them to the bank, cash them, and turn the cash over to Mr. Big. That's the usual procedure, isn't it? Well, I'm only president of this outfit, and I don't want to appear nosy, Miss Moore, but there are a few things that strike me as rather peculiar. You don't mind my thinking out loud, do you? Go right ahead. Well, our organization, under my sterling leadership, has taken in close to $30,000 for relief purposes. And yet we've made no move to arrange for distribution of food or clothing. It seems strange. I've told you before, that is all being taken care By of... By the mysterious Mr. Big again, yes, yes, of course. We're nothing but money raisers. He takes care of food distribution through a separate organization. Andy, why are you looking at me like that? I was just wondering about the identity of this mysterious Mr. Big... I was wondering if it might not even be you. Excellent mail response, my dear. You're to be congratulated. I thought you'd be pleased, Mr. Julius. And it gets bigger every day. Yes, I'm deeply gratified. Uh, when I think of all the hungry little mouths this money will feed... My... My heart brims over with pride. Uh, Mr. Julius, Andrew Gilbert is asking some questions. Questions? Mm. What sort of question? He keeps wondering about the distribution of relief. Well, you told him that a separate organization would handle that. I told him, but he didn't seem satisfied. Well, you should be able to handle him, my dear. After all, you've, you're a very attractive woman. Well, Mr. Julius, as a matter of fact, No I... matter, my dear, I'm sure you've done your best. So, Mr. Gilbert is wondering, huh? Well, perhaps we'll have to do something to satisfy his curiosity. I left Mr. Julius' old brownstone house on West 83rd Street late that night. As I came down the steps, I saw that the street was deserted. But no, not entirely. Across the street his hat pulled low over his eyes, a man leaned against the light post. There was something vaguely familiar about him. Then I remembered. He had walked down the street behind me when I came to see Mr. Julius two hours before. I turned east toward the subway, my heart pounding. The man crunched a cigarette under his heel and began to walk. Now there was no question. This man was following me. Hey there, wait a minute. I want to talk to you. You! Andy Gilbert, you've been following me. Who lives in that brownstone house you just left? I don't see that it's any of your business whom I call Who on. Who lives there? Mr. Big? The mysterious head man? Well? Andy, you're hurting my arm. Tell me his name. I said tell me. Please, Andy. It's Mr. Julius. 
Andy, where are you going? I'm up to my neck in something, and I intend to find out what it is. I'm going to see this Mr. Julius. Are you Mr. Julius? That's my name, yes. You're the man I want to see. See here, you can't force your way into my apartment. I'm like Andrew it. Gilbert, president of Humanity United Against Hunger. Well, well, now, isn't that a coincidence? You know, Mr. Gilbert, I've been wanting to have a talk with you. That goes both ways, so let's talk. Yes, let us do indeed. I, um, I hope you won't be offended at what I'm about to say, Mr. Gilbert, but... I feel it is my duty to tell you that I have developed some grave doubts concerning your organization. You have doubts? <laughs> That's a good one. Why has an application been made for a food export license? We've taken in a lot of money. Why hasn't any relief work been done? My precise questions. Why indeed? Come now, Mr. Gilbert. You're the president of the organization. Why haven't these steps been taken? Not just a minute. Our signals are crossed someplace. You're the head man. You've been pocketing all the money. Whoever in the world told you that? Miss Pamela Moore. What do you think of that? Miss Moore? I, I can't believe it. Well, it's true. And I'm here for a showdown. Do you hear a showdown? Mr. Gilbert, don't get excited, please. We must think this thing through calmly. You see, I'm afraid that we've both been victimized. Uh, all this double talk isn't going to help you, Julius. No, it's no double talk, my friend. I am almost convinced now that Miss Pamela Moore has been running a confidence game, and we've been taken in. And she seemed so compassionate, so selfless in her dedication to the hungry children of Europe. And I'm afraid that I contributed to your organization without investigating properly. You, you contributed? I don't get this. Yes, it's quite true. I have canceled checks to prove it. She certainly fooled me. My friend, I'm afraid that you and I fell for a pretty face. But she said... Well, I mean... Yes, I know it's a blow. I've lost a few hundred dollars, but you, my friend, stand to lose much more. You have been the innocent front for this black conspiracy. But you will have, have difficulty proving your innocence. You stand to lose perhaps even your freedom. My advice to you is to get out fast. Nella, is this the Federal Bureau of Investigation? My name is Julius, and I would like to talk to the head of the New York office of the FBI. He won't be in until tomorrow afternoon. All right, I'll call in for an appointment. No, no, it's uh, just that I've been swindled in a clever confidence game, and I have reason to believe that the president of the organization is about to flee. <laughs> Curtain comes down on the second act of tonight's play in the little theater off Times Square. Smoking downstairs with the yellow lobby only, please. Smoking downstairs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here he comes, Mr. Larry Keating in person. Ladies, from all over America, our sponsor is receiving letters that read something like this. I can't resist writing you to say how glad I am to have Italian bomb again. I missed it so during the war years. Ever since I first discovered Italian bomb quite a long time ago, I've just never found anything that I like so well for my hands. 
It protects my skin against dryness and chapping as no other lotion or cream seems able to do. Yes, thousands and thousands of women who could not get their favorite hand lotion, Italian balm, during the war years are now discovering that it's back again in the stores. Same identical superior quality, including all the original ingredients. Same quantity also, at the same pre-war price. Let me urge you to get a bottle of Italian balm tomorrow and renew your acquaintance with the famous lotion about which so many women say it never had an equal. First-nighters are all in their seats, ready for the last act. And there goes the curtain. I waited outside when Andy went in to see Mr. Julius. My heart still pounding, my head spinning with half-formed fears. When he finally came out, his face was set and grim. Andy! Andy! You still here? I waited for you. I I was afraid. Afraid of what I'd find out? Afraid that something might happen to you. Something did. Andy, where are you going? Some place where I can think. Can't I go with you? There's a restaurant over there. Okay, but I warn you, I'm not going to be very good company. Andy, you look so... so tired. What is it? You want it straight? Yes, I... I want it straight. Mr. Julius informed me that humanity united against hunger is a huge confidence game, and that he and I have been victimized by you. No! Oh, Andy, no! He says he has canceled checks to prove that he contributed to the organization under your persuasion. He thinks you've pocketed all the contributions. No, no, you... You don't believe him. Andy! Any reason why I shouldn't? No. I... I guess there isn't. There's no way I can prove what I now know is true. He makes out a pretty good case against you. But I don't believe him. Oh, Andy. Oh, hey, now it's no time for tears. I, I'm sorry. It's a tough spot, boss lady. And we're both in it up to our chins. I know, and it's my fault. Andy, we'll have to go to the police. What, and get locked up? But we'd tell them the truth. You think they'd believe it? There's an airtight circumstantial case against us, Pam. A jury wouldn't have to deliberate five minutes to reach a verdict. Mr. Julius has fixed himself the perfect racket, and he's 100% in the clear. I'm the president of the organization. I signed the checks. I'm the patsy. What are we going to do? Well, I don't know. Now, let's approach it from Julius's angle. He must have figured it a short-term racket because he certainly knew that organizations for foreign relief are licensed by the government and that he'd be investigated sooner or later. That's why the direct mail campaign and nothing else. He wanted to keep it quiet as long as possible. Oh, I was blind not to see that. He must figure now that it's about to blow up. He's in the clear, so he'll probably go to the police himself and complain he's been swindled. Yeah. Oh, we don't have much time, baby. There's only one way for us to clear ourselves, and that's to trip up Julius. Oh, Andy, I... Wait a minute. I've got an idea. It's a long shot, baby, and if it doesn't pay off, we'll cook good. Are you afraid? I... I'm scared to death. When I hold you... Like this. I'm not afraid, Andy. Not now. Now remember, 
as Julius is concerned, I still think you're the real swindler. You mustn't tip him off that we're on to him. Sound worried, confused. You got it? Yes. Good. Now call. Mr. Julius, this is Pamela Moore. Yes. What is it? Well, I, I, I told you last night that Mr. Gilbert was acting strangely. I hate to say this, but I think he's getting ready to run out of town. You don't say. What makes you think so, my dear? Well, I heard him make reservations for this afternoon's 20th century. The 20th century, huh? Yes. Mm, that does look bad. But, but that isn't all. We had a record mail today, and he has with him $5,000 of the organization's funds. He has What? I told you to never let him handle the money. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Julius, but he insisted on taking the money orders to the bank himself. I, I couldn't stop him. Shall I call the police? Uh, no, no, don't do that. They'll have to be notified, but I'll take care of that. Don't do a thing, my dear. I'll take care of Mr. Gilbert properly. It's done. Oh, you were swell, baby. Now let's just pray that Mr. Julius bites at the bait. <laughs> Is everything all right, sir? Yes, everything's fine, Porter. Well, I'll be having my dinner in my compartment, so please send the waiter in when it's convenient. Yes, sir, just as soon as dinner's ready. Anything else you want, just ring the buzzer. All right. <laughs> yes? Come in. Good evening, Mr. Gilbert. Well, good evening. You, uh, are surprised to see me, no doubt. Well, not at all, Mr. Julius. I rather expected you. Oh, only I didn't expect you to walk in with a gun in your hand. I've come for the money you were absconding with. Hand it over. You're a greedy man, Mr. Julius. You don't expect to get away with this. You're in enough trouble as it is. You're not likely to complain about this misadventure. The money, please. Then Miss Moore's not the swindler at all. You are. And we've been your victims. I have been rather clever, don't you think, Mr. Gilbert? I've made close to $40,000 out of this deal in a few months. And there's absolutely nothing to compromise me. And as for you, my friend, the police will never believe your story. No, they didn't. You, you've told the police? Yes. When I realized what a jam I was in, I told them everything. But, but they let you go. Well, not really. They just gave me one chance to prove my innocence. That's what I'm doing at this moment. What are you talking about? I counted on your greed to trip you up, Julius. You had 40 grand and were sitting free and clear, but you just couldn't stand the thought of my getting a few dollars that might have gone to you. So you came to get it. And that's where you made your big mistake. A detective has been outside that door listening to everything you said. Okay, Larson, come in. You double-crossing. Look out, Larson, he's got a gun. Okay, mister, here it is. All right, Larson, he's your baby from now on. That's quite a Sunday punch you packed there. Yes, I've been saving that one for some time. And it couldn't happen to a more deserving man. Andy, Andy. Yes, here I am. Everything's okay. But, but I, I heard shots. Well, Mr. Julius is a better confidence man than he is a marksman. Oh, Andy. Hey, you call that thing a handkerchief? Use this one. Thank you. Well, the job now, Larson, is to find that money. I must return every cent to the contributors, along with a letter warning them not to give money to any but bona fide charities and relief organizations. Oh, what a pity it had to happen now. When the need is so great and there are so many worthy organizations working for this cause. Well, okay, boss lady. I 
I'm not boss lady anymore. Oh, maybe you are now for the first time. I uh, finally have you pigeonholed, you know. Come here, pigeon. dramatic premium store for you at the Little Theater off Times Square. It's another original play called Shanty Boat Serenade, and the folks who've seen the rehearsals say it'll be one of the top hits of the season. So be sure to tune in next week at this same time for Shanty Boat Serenade, and meet some of the funniest and most fascinating people you've ever met in a play. And ladies, in the meantime, ask for Magic Touch, the new cream makeup at your favorite cosmetic counter. Magic Touch gives a magic touch to your beauty. And now we move out of the theater and into the street. Here's your cab, Mr. Fursnyder. Thank you. Good night. Campana's Fursnyder program, starring Olin Soule and Barbara Luddy, is a copyrighted radio feature. Tonight's play was pure fiction and did not refer to real people or actual events. Take heed. Scratching an irritated skin may cause serious infection. Don't scratch. Use DDD Prescription, a greaseless, stainless liquid that brings soothing relief at once from the discomfort of eczema, hives, rash. Get DDD Prescription at any drugstore, trial bottle, 35 cents. The First Nighter program comes to you over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. for listening to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. We invite you to continue the amazing audio tomorrow on Mutual with the Monday Matinee. Our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio dramas. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed every day for the world's largest curated collection of audio drama or find the Monday Matinee feed in your favorite podcast players. See you tomorrow at the matinee and thanks so much for listening.